Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Moments, a podcast that celebrates parenthood to the fullest. The smallest victories, the messiest failures, and the bravest decisions. I've been known as Candace Parker, the basketball player, since I was 15 years old. And honestly, I love that. Basketball has given me so much. It's taken me around the world, and it's allowed me to do things I never thought I could do. A year into my professional career, I had my daughter Layla. I was 23, coming off MVP and Rookie of the Year. So I must say that it was met with a little bit of hesitation. Coaches, players, teammates, I think they were questioning whether I could balance both. Well, for 12 years, I've balanced being a mom and being an athlete. In a lot of ways, I've grown up with my daughter. And you'll hear me say this over and over on this show. Layla is my everything, my inspiration, my drive, my reason for being. I know I'm not the only parent out there who feels this way. Today, we're talking with a mom, an actress, and a great friend of mine. If you were watching TV in the 90s, or even today, there's a good chance you're a fan of hers. Since those early days of Sister Sister, she's continued acting, singing, writing, and she's Cree and Cairo's mom. Tia Mori Hardrick. Hardrick, yes. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me today. Obviously, uh, have become good friends, but at the same time, I think I told you the story when I first met you. I grew up idolizing you on Sister mm-hmm. Sister, you and your sister Tamara. Mm-hmm. I could always tell you all apart. That was my claim to fame with all of my friends. Um, really? Always. You never told me that. Always could tell you apart. And then. Now I have a daughter of my own, and there are reoccurring shows that come up in our house that are always on television. Obviously, Sister Sister is still on repeat. The Game was another one of my favorites. Oh my gosh. As well as now, you are like, yes, now Family Reunion. Um, My daughter and I just finished part three. We're waiting for part four now, you know, because you can finish it. You can binge watch it every day. But obviously, I, I, I love your talent on air, but I think what really drew me to you as an individual is just your authenticity and it it really shines through. And then to meet you, you know how they say never meet your childhood idols. Yeah. Uh, To meet you, it really has proven to be true. Just you're authentic in who you are, you're authentic. And I really, I really just think as, as an African-American mother uh, Mm -hmm. watching you, you know, be a wife, a mother, all of these amazing things, a a chef, a lifestyle guru, (laughs) wife, mother, author, actor, all of that. Um, It's been amazing to watch. And so I really appreciate you joining me today. And I hope we are able to talk all things good, bad, the (laughs) in-between, all of that. No, of course. You know, you mentioned authenticity and, you know, I find that being vulnerable is a way or leads the pathway or opens the gate to inspiration, 
right? So I think this is so awesome that you are doing this podcast and why I wanted to do it is because when we always just share the great things, right? There are great things that happen to us, but that's not normal. You know what I mean? Like in the sense that things are always perfect. And when you navigate through life and especially motherhood, um, and when you see things that seem to be perfect, then it causes for being overwhelmed, stressed, having anxiety, um, self-guilt, like, oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong? And I was like, no, when I became a mom, I was very open and wanted to, you know, be honest about what's going on with my body after being, <laughs> after having a baby. Um, the struggles that happen mentally when you become a mom, um, because we, we have to learn from each other, right? Cause we can't do this alone. And by being honest and open, then you're, you're, you're able to do that. You're able to inspire and you're able to encourage, you know, other women that you are not alone in this thing called life and in this thing called motherhood. So, well, let's go back to the, to the beginning, because I don't think okay. authentic is, you know, it just one day you were like, I'm going to be authentic. You yes. have said a number of times that the roles that you have chose to represent yes. on television have been authentic to you. And yes. so how going about Hollywood as this young kid, were you able to continue to, to do that? I think I was very blessed to be able to, I think, like you said, my, my role with authenticity started when I first booked Sister Sister. And I was able to and allowed to play myself, right? So my name in the show was Tia. It wasn't Tia Mori, it was Tia Landry. But, you know, I'm a twin, my name is Tia. And then the writers, every summer, they would have my sister and I sit in their office and ask us, what's going on with your life? What's going on with school? And they would write it into the script. I was, you know, sort of being myself in a way, which was amazing because it just made it fun. It made it enjoyable. You know, my mother, she used to always embed and instill, be you. There, there may be somebody that looks like you out there. Um, you know, my sister, who's my identical twin, but there really is only one you. So be who you are. Don't do what everybody else says to do. If you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. So I started to do this dance with authenticity at such a young age. And I saw the benefits of being happy and having joy. So I'm like, why would I want to lose that? You know? No, a hundred percent. And I think it definitely comes full circle because at 15, 16 years old, you don't know who you are. Yes. You know, and you don't know, it's not that you don't know who you are. You don't know who you will become. Come. Yes. And, be, and so yeah. I think at 15, 16 years old, it is important. Like what you said with your mom to instill those mm -hmm. values, you mm -hmm. know, growing up in Hollywood, like you said, is, is difficult, but it seems like being you is the only, the only way that you can, <laughs> there's only, yes, only way you can be successful. And it's like you said, it's about embracing. It's about embracing who you are as an individual, because as a young child, you know, there's so much peer pressure too. 
And like I said, my mom, she has always instilled in me to never be apologetic for what makes you happy. I remember my grandmother telling me, I was 16 years old at the time. My grandmother, she passed away a few years ago. But she has, she, everything that comes out of her mouth is just words of wisdom. She's just that type of person. And she told me at 16, she said, Tia, you know, you know who you are. She said that when I was 16 years old. But again, I think, you know, I just feel very blessed that I was able to discover the benefits of that at such a young age. And so I carried it into my adulthood. It's just wisdom looking back, just, Mm -hmm. you know, how fortunate (laughs) we are to, you know, be able to have relationships with our grandparents and to be able to hear their words and to be able to kind of pass that on to our children and, you know, seamless transition as always uh, into adulthood. You Mm -hmm. meet Corey, your husband, and you, you met him. Can you kind of, you know, was it love at first sight? Was it... It was not. So, and I think a lot of people would think that because, you know, where our union is now, but it was not like, I always joke. And I say this all the time. I said, when I first met my husband, my husband was playing a character, right? And he was doing this, this role for this movie called Hollywood Horror. So it was this scary movie. Okay. And I see him. And the only thing that I can focus on are these Birkenstocks that he's wearing. <laughs> oh my God, my God. <laughs> the thing that went in my head is, how are you going to put a brother in some Birkenstocks? <laughs> oh my goodness. It was just like, uh, what is this? But anyway, our union and relationship evolved. So we started out as friends and then we started uh, courting each other for about a year. And we would, my sister hated this because she was the third wheel. We would always go to, on dates, we would go to the movies, we would go out to dinner, but it was never with us alone. That's Um, amazing. But Corey, yeah, but Corey was so kind. He would give me flowers. You know, he would just give me, always give me these gifts. And then after a year of just courting each other, then we started falling in love with each other. Um, I remember when he told me he loved me and then I told this him I loved him. Precious. We had our first kiss and he asked me if um, he could kiss me. And that's when I was like, okay, this dude is, he's cool. You know what I mean? Like, he's I mean, he real- was cool with your sister going on dates with you guys. <laughs> I, I feel as though like this is a keeper. Like this is, uh, right? this is meant to be for sure. Um, yeah. No, so Corey is a, was- Corey's a sweetheart. He really is yeah, always. He, re- he really is. 13 years married and 22 years together. Wow. Long time. That's unbelievable. So let me ask you this, Tia. Uh Did you all always want children? Was that something you guys always talked about? Was it something that you waited um, until, you you know, after you guys were in the marriage for a long time to talk Mm -hmm. about? Well, that's very interesting that you say that because Corey and I, when we courted, we would talk about things like that. So we would talk about how... We wanted to raise our children. So we were talking, we did talk about kids. Um, I think the only thing that has changed is the number of kids. <laughs> we were like, yeah, we could totally do four kids. And it's like, Mm-mm, no. That's why I always, I always tell people when you come up with the numbers of kids that you want to have, have the first have one. First one. Have that first one. And then let me know. Man, um, it's no, you and no matter how prepared. 
prepared you think you are. It, you are not prepared. You are not prepared for motherhood or parenthood. There's no blueprint. No, there is no blueprint. You know, you know the analogy that I do or I say parenting and raising a child is basically like as if someone just threw you in the water and you didn't know how to swim and you got to learn how to swim. It's very true. <laughs> and and here and I would like to add on to the fact that there are different swimming strokes. There's different ways to stay afloat because yeah, every kid is different. Every parent is different. Every journey is different. Is different. And, you know, I think that you don't get a blueprint because they're every kid, like we said, everything is different and there's mm -hmm. no one way that works universal no, um, for everybody. Isn't. And there's no journey. No. And first I would like to talk yeah. about your journey to parenthood okay. because I, again, going back to authenticity, I feel yeah. as though you recognize that there weren't a lot of African-American women speaking about their journey and the good and the, you know, not so good that goes along with it. So can you first, you know, talk about your, your journey to motherhood and how you decided to start speaking about it publicly? Yeah. So my journey to motherhood was not an easy one. And it was a little... Shocking because, again, I just feel like these conversations aren't really had. Meaning, let's go back to the first thing we started talking about, which is perfection. Nobody wants to talk about infertility. Everybody just wants to talk about, oh, I'm pregnant or, you know, I have a baby. But they don't want to talk about the struggles that one does face, you know, to become pregnant. And those struggles could be miscarriages. Those struggles could be, you know, having infertility issues like I did. Um, and what I, you know, I have something called endometriosis, which is a highly inflammatory con condition that can cause infertility. But I didn't know that I had that for years. I was told by many doctors that the symptoms that I was experiencing was just menstrual, you know, cramps and pain and all of that. But I knew later on. And you that say many doctors. You went to many doctors many, with this discomfort many, and with this many problem. Many doctors. Yes. And my symptoms were just kind of pushed aside and not really taken very seriously. And for a minute, I thought I was crazy. You know what I mean? I was like, well, maybe they're right. But then. One day when I was in so much pain, I remember I would, this is very interesting, but keeping it real, authentic, I Please. would sit on the toilet. And when I would sit on the toilet, for some reason, it would take the edge of the pain away. And I later asked a doctor that, and she said it, it's because it relaxes the muscles around the uterus. But I remember I was sitting on the toilet and I was just in so much pain and I wanted to call an ambulance. I was like, and Corey was with me. I was like, Corey, this is just very painful. I can't, this is, something's going on. I, I need to call an ambulance. I, I didn't end up doing that. But what did end up happening was there was this woman who was my friend and she lived in the same building as me. And she said she had come over later on that day or later on that week. And, you know, I told her about what was going on and she, she knew my struggles and she was like, I have this amazing doctor, you know, for you to check out. And she said, I really think that she can help you. And lo and behold, I ended up meeting an incredible doctor who's a black woman and she's a Harvard graduate. And then she diagnosed me with endometriosis just by sitting in her office for like 20, 20 minutes. And I'm like, 
damn, I Where was experiencing all of this for my like entire life, four yep. or five years. And then now all of a sudden, you know, I finally have some sort of peace of mind. But I say that all to say, I didn't know what was happening and I didn't know what was going on. And that's one of the main reasons why I've been open and sharing and becoming vulnerable about my journey so that other people can say, wow, okay, if she's going through that, then maybe this is, maybe I have that. Several women have come up to me and said, thank you so much. Just by me listening to your story, you pointed me in the right direction. I was able to go to a doctor and then properly get diagnosed and was helped. So what I've learned again is being vulnerable um, and being authentic and sharing your story, no matter how imperfect it is you know, you're, you're really helping other people. And that's what motivates me to continue to do everything that I do is when I inspire people. I think that what you said about helping others, like your story has helped so many others to not feel alone. Yeah. When this first occurred and, and happened and you first found out, did you feel alone? Like, did you feel like you were the oh, only yes. one going through this? Oh my gosh. Yes. Because I mean, I'm in my twenties, right? And I'm not saying every girl, but there are many people, you know, when they're in their twenties, they're, they're thinking about marriage. They're thinking about, you know, having a baby. And, and once I was diagnosed with this, I was like, oh my gosh, first of all, why me? You know? And I didn't hear anybody talk about I never, I didn't even know what the word endometriosis was. I was like, what? Like, are you serious? You mean I have to what? I have to change my lifestyle. I have to, you know, not eat dairy and do all, like, it was just, it was surreal to me. And I did, I felt so alone because like I said, there was no one out there having this conversation. And then also within my group of friends and, you know, nobody was going through what I was going through. And I did, I actually slipped into a little bit of a depression because, you know, I had to move on like as if nothing was wrong with me, but really deep inside, you know, I had this little secret that nobody knew about that here I am 25 years old suffering with this excruciating situation. And not only that, I, one day I, I, I probably won't be able to have kids when I want to. So I did, I did feel very alone. And that was another, again, that was another reason why I wanted to share my story because I didn't want anybody feeling the way I felt. And also that's what prompted me to write whole new you, which is a cookbook, which was all of the foods that I would eat to try to get rid of the inflammation in my body, you know, cause I wanted people to experience this shift that I had experienced when I started eating healthier, exercising, meditating, taking care of me, taking care of my supplements. I didn't want to keep this information to myself. I wanted people to know about to it. To help. And, and to that, help. Was, that was what I was going to ask you. What was the recommendation that the doctor that diagnosed you said that yes. you had to do to help? To basically... She said, dairy is, is, is of the enemy. <laughs> Girl, when I tell you, oh my goodness, that had to be so hard. Dairy. Were you like, you ate a lot of dairy? 
You know, I'll, I'll say this. I am very conscious and aware of what I put in my body now. So Monday through Friday, hell, maybe even Monday through Saturday, I don't eat dairy. But on celebrations, Thanksgiving dinners and all that, I allow myself to go for it. Cheat meal. But when I say that it's a part of, you know, my life on a regular, no, I do not eat. No. Before though, (laughs) before your change in lifestyle, was was it a part? Before I ate loads of dairy. I mean, you know. I loved it just like everybody else does, you know, but she told me to, um, stay away from dairy. She told me to stay away from like processed foods, try to eat more organic food. Um, and just to, it was the first time I understood that food can be medicine, meaning fruits and vegetables and, you know, blueberries and strawberries. Like I never really knew the nutritional value of how it actually, I take that back. I knew the nutritional value, but I never knew how the impact foods could have an impact on your health and your well-being. I wouldn't, I didn't put those two together until this doctor told me about it. And then that's when I just started to just do my own research. So I started to look at how certain foods causes inflammation or spikes inflammation in the body. Um, certain people have sensitivities to it, which causes inflammation. And that's what I, you know, started to focus on what foods were healing. Um, gut flora. I never understood. I was like, gut flora, what's gut flora, you know, which is a part of your immunity. Your, your gut is basically the center of your immunity. So I, I did that, you know, focused on my well-being, my health, and what foods I was eating. And then I was able to get pregnant with uh, Cree. And my doctor, the first thing that she said was, Tia, it was because of that change in your life. You, the dieting um, and just really, you know, taking care of yourself. And so, Yeah. So I wrote Whole New You to inspire other women and people to do the same thing. That's unbelievable because <laughs> <laughs> I, I say this in the sense of I think it comes with acceptance and it comes with the ability to understand that, you know, we all can try to be conscious of what we're putting in our body, what we're putting in our mind and things like that. I mean, this conversation, trying to have this conversation with a next generation, I, I've had this conversation with my mom over and over and over again. Oh my gosh. Yes. And just having this conversation with your parents about other things that can impact high blood pressure, you mm-hmm. know, you saying all of these things, I cannot wait to let my parents <laughs> listen. Um, my parents no, listen yeah. to this because I think it's um, it's super important for. Well, I think people automatically assume, meaning health practitioners or people that know this information, automatically assume that everybody knows this information. We don't. A lot of us do not know this information, and if I can help in any kind of way I can, then again, I feel like my day is made, and and that's why I do do what I do. That's unbelievable because I think there's so many people that can benefit, um, not mm-hmm. just in pregnancy journey, but also just in general health, general, in general life, health yeah. and, and, and life. Mm-hmm. And also in what we're giving our kids. I think it's so important to start yes. and set the foundation of what, how healthy eating turns into a healthy lifestyle for them and their children and their families. Yeah. Um, but I want to rewind a second and, and, and talk about pregnancy. 
How was the pregnancy first, like first couple months? Was it difficult? Woo, girl, there were a lot of struggles. I think, like I said, the first struggle was the nausea that I had with my son, Cree. You know, you read about, okay, well, you know, nausea happens in, you know, the first trimester, but it'll go away. Well, it didn't go away for me. (laughs) It did not go away for me. I was like, okay, now I'm in the second trimester. It's still here. Okay. I'm in the third trimester and it's still here. And it was hard. If you look back, if you look back at photos of me pregnant with Cree, you'll see that I had these seasickness bands on and I had gotten them like in every color to match my outfits because I was just caught like, I don't want to wish nausea on anybody. But not only that, again, this is why I wrote my book, Oh Baby. I wrote a book called Oh Baby because I wanted to talk about, again, the truth that happens during pregnancy, that it's not always, you know, Skittles and uh, butterflies. I had nosebleeds. And I was like, I remember when my nose first started bleeding, I was like, oh my gosh, is something wrong with me? And I went to my doctor and she was like, oh, Tia, this happens, you know? It's just the inflammation in your body. And I was like, well, how come nobody else? What, what? Why doesn't anybody else share this information? Um, and then also peeing on yourself. Girl, you know? <laughs> girl. And I have, can I just, okay. I know this isn't pregnancy, but this is after I had my daughter. Yeah. And, you know, everybody talks about the pelvic floor and how yeah, to do, you do your floor. kegels and you have to do all this stuff. And so I was just like young and just wanted to get it back out there or whatever. So I probably yep. didn't exercise as much as I should have. Okay. And so Lisa Leslie's my teammate. She had a daughter the year oh, before. I love Lisa yes, Leslie. Lisa's I haven't seen her in years. Amazing. Yeah. But also amazing because she had a daughter a year before I had Layla. And so we kind of shared our journey and I was nursing on the road and like, you know, mm-hmm. so she was kind of help me, helping me out. And I remember it was like one or two games into the season when I first came back and I got the ball on the break. I did it inside out. I remember I got fouled and I looked at Lisa with his face and she's like, you peed on yourself, didn't you? And I was like, uh-huh. Like, yep, I did. So nobody tells you about that. Uh-uh. That it's going to take a second to like so get everything get in order. Back together. And guess what? Sometimes it don't always come back. <laughs> <laughs> but these are things to Pain talk about. become your best I'm friend. T- <laughs> I, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome to our Capital One Cafe Break. Each week, we'll chat with a Capital One parent about their relationship with family and finances. Today, we're talking with Lauren Liss, a managing vice president and head of rewards, partnerships, access, and premium products. Welcome, Lauren. You got two kids, you got a career, family, balancing all of those things. So what is that like? And and kind of take me through an average day. You know, every day looks different. I'm still trying to figure out what that balance looks like. Some days, you know, I start work pretty early and and have to work late. And then other days, you know, I'm lucky enough to have some flexibility and drive my daughter, like today, drive my daughter to camp, drop her off myself, you know, get a chance to give that big hug and, and see that smile when she runs to camp. I feel lucky enough to love my job and love a bunch of the people I work with. Um, that really just make the day 
fun and enjoyable. I could work all night on, on email and, and catching up, but really to just sign off and disconnect and spend some time with the kids before bedtime and make that time. Was this something that always came naturally to you even before you had a family to have that, that balance, to, to take time away for you and to make sure that you're doing things to fill up your cup um, just as you're doing to, to help your family out? You know, I, I still haven't fully figured it out. I think you said it best when you said we're trying to balance work and being a mom. But what I've found has been especially difficult is time for anything else with your friends, with your significant other. You know, I still want to be a great daughter, spending time, you know, committing to my to my family and to my parents. I think to all parents out there, um, you know, we we beat ourselves up a little bit on not being perfect. And we have to understand that we are constantly evolving and growing and learning and changing and trying to be better than the day before. How has your conversation, even with yourself surrounding money, changed since you have these two little ones that are dependent on you um, for their future? When I started working um, as a woman in the workforce, I'd gotten some advice that was like, don't talk about your kids or don't talk about being a parent. You know, I, I've shared before that, um, you know, I had a miscarriage before my, my son as well. And being authentic and opening up and talking about that at work, so many young women came to my office and just talked to me about experiencing similar situations and just, you know, maybe sitting at their desk through a situation like that because they don't, they feel that those topics are taboo or you can't talk about wanting to be a mother at work. I do feel incredibly passionate about talking more about being a working parent um, and about, about finances. They're both such important topics. Well, if there's anything else that we've learned within, you know, the last couple of years, it's been that, you know, even though it's a difficult conversation, you should, that's when you know you should have it. And now I think we're willing to have those conversations and it's so important because I think it can help others. So what are some things that, you know, Capital One can provide for parents out there that are looking to learn more about how to best take care of their money? One of the places in our, is in our partnership. If folks are aware of our cafes, having the opportunity to attend and learn about financial well-being, that is something that Capital One feels passionate about. And so I think it's a combination of what our services Capital One can offer where we can teach, but also back to our conversation of as parents, how do we show our families and our children how to be financially responsible starting at that young age? Um, because I think it's something that we often don't talk about. There's no one size fits all approach to achieve financial well-being. So Capital One offers plenty of resources to help people stress less about money and get on the right financial path. As a working parent, I love that their services provide both value and convenience. Things like a free credit monitoring tool, available to everyone, not just customers, and their money and life program that helps you plan out your goals in life via one-to-one -one mentoring, group workshops, and self-guided exercises. Capital One is dedicated to helping you spend wisely, build savings for the short term and long term, manage credit and debt, and handle unexpected expenses life may throw your way. Hey, welcome back to Moments with Candace Parker.
being a mom and 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 working it's it's a challenge <laughs> no it is a challenge but i think it's um what i've found is and the best advice i got um while watching my coach mother and being a mom and do all of these things is mm. she said my kids are full when i'm able to do what makes me happy and i'm yes. able to have something other than them or, you know, have my mm -hmm. own thing, whether it's, you know, going to Pilates or whether it's a, a group that you meet with or a book or whatever. And mm -hmm. I think it's so important to obviously be able to work, but also schedule time, you know, for yourself. That's amazing that you just said that, because I feel like as moms, sometimes we tend to, some tend to lose their ambitions or feel like, you know, they have to put their ambitions to the side or feel like they can't do now that you're a mom. And I learned right away, just because you're a mom, it doesn't mean that you have to forget your goals, forget your ambitions, forget your dreams. And, you know, it's very important what you just said, because children learn through behavior. I think it's so important. And that carries with you. And we go back to the, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that there's no blueprint for raising a kid, but there's also no, no. blueprint as moms to navigate balancing everything. And no. I think there are days where I feel as though I wasn't present enough or I didn't do this enough or I whatever. And it's like, at the end of the day, you try to do the best you can. And you're trying to be authentic with your kids and saying, sometimes mommy messes up. Sometimes mommy, oh, yeah. you know, doesn't handle the things the best way that she can with you, all that you balance, how do you have those conversations with, you know, obviously Cairo is probably a little young, yeah. um, but Cree, you know, making sure that, because my, my mommy guilt was, my mom was at everything. My mom was at my games. She picked mm -hmm. me up every day to school. She did my lunches. And I felt like I was somehow failing my child because I wasn't there at every single thing. And so I figured, you know, we had to talk about it. I couldn't just let this be that yes. thing that hung over it. So how are those conversations yeah. with Cree when, you know, you're not able to maybe make something or um, mm -hmm. you can't necessarily be there or you have to work? You said it. Um, it's about having a conversation and it's about being being honest, you know, with with your child. I learned the hard way. So one day when Cree was like maybe about like two or three years old. And I would put my luggage by the front door when mommy had to leave to New York or, you know, do something like that. And I felt like it was easier to not tell him, you know, because he, you know, he's only two or three out. Mommy will be back in three or four days. But what ended up happening was every single time he would see my luggage, he would freak out. Even now at almost 10 after our conversations, he'd be like, He'll see luggage and go, mom, where are you going? Where are you going? And I'm like, oh, no, baby, I'm just putting that in the garage. I'm just putting my, you know, this is the luggage I'm just putting in the garage. So I learned that, you know, you have to be honest with them and communicate with them. And then that's what I, I started to do. And I started to be very clear with him. I said, you know, mommy can't be here or mommy has to go somewhere because mommy has to work. And I said, you know, mommy has dreams and goals and aspirations. And someday I would want you to have those too. But I think what really helped me with that was again, because I, I was, I was feeling guilty at a, at a time, but children learn through observation. Children yep. learn through. Absolutely. Behavior. So when he sees that, wow, 
mommy goes after it. Mommy like works hard to get what she wants. Then hopefully I'm instilling those worth ethics in him. And, you know, a little independence is good for your, for your child. And I think a lot of mothers struggle with that. Even mothers that stay at home, having that balance of being away from your children, having time to go work out or to read that book that you always wanted to read. And like you, I struggled with leaving. Um, You know, I struggled with leaving my child, leaving Layla anywhere. And I remember at two years old, two, three years old, she was too young to understand how long I was going to be gone. Oh, yes. And that was the toughest part. And so I, I got some advice from from my coach. She used to tell me about with Tyler, her young son, you know, she used to call him at night and they used to do homework together or find some sort of routine that they would do together. Well, I kind of took that and made it my own and we did a sleep calendar. So every night before we left, because kids know their sleep, they know how many sleeps until Mm -hmm. you come back. And so we started counting sleeps. And so she would make my sleep Mm -hmm. calendar. I would make her sleep calendar. And then at night on FaceTime, we would cross it out together. And so that kind of made it easier. And I I know, I know Cairo's still young. So, you know, maybe when she gets a little bit older, but that helped me tremendously. Yeah. We do a thing called see a later alligator. So when I say see a later alligator after wild crocodile, and once she hears that, and then when she sees that I come back, then she has this memory of, okay, when mommy says that, she She's does coming come back. back. She's not going to be, you know, gone for a long time. So that is one thing that I do um, with Cairo. I love that. I love yeah. that. And like I said, it, it, you know, different things work for different kids. But at the same time, um, you know, I think it's important what you said to, to talk to them and to have conversations, not just conversation. Another thing that you said, and that has come up, especially just in, in work and working moms is this stigma that working moms have to do everything. And I was sitting in an interview and I'll never forget this. I was sitting in an interview and I was in New York at the time. It was the first season that I ever left my daughter on a, on a road trip. And so I was in New York and this reporter was like, so who's taking care of Layla? And I looked at them and was like, do you ask LeBron these questions? Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you ask Steph Curry yep. where who's taking mm-hmm. care of his children? So mm-hmm. the difference between, and I know this is probably how it is in, in Hollywood as well, like the difference between women and men when it comes to children. And it's changing and it's getting better. I feel like it's definitely gotten better to just lock people into these stereotypical genders or roles, I just think is just absurd. Um, And I actually owe a lot of like Corey and I, the reason why our journey is the way it is with our marriage is because we're not so locked on that. You know what I mean? Like these, these roles, like if Corey's gone and, you know, Cree wants to get in the backyard and play ball or play basketball, I'm going to play basketball. I'm not going to be like, that's for your dad to do, you know, wait till your dad gets home. Like, do you realize how ridiculous that sounds? And the same thing, like, you know, with if I'm at work and then the kitchen needs to be cleaned, like Corey's not going to be like, well, I'm going to wait until Tia gets home because that's her job. Like, it's so dumb. Yeah. Um. So I do feel like there is this change that is. is, you know, happening. And I'm so passionate about that. If you know me, 
whenever my children were born into this world and, and I have their nursery, they always start as a blank page. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I love Cree's that. Cree's room was always cream and neutrals and Cairo's room was Cree and neutrals because I don't want to say, oh, just because Cree's a boy, then he needs to have this in his room or just because Cairo was a girl, she needs to have this and this in her room. I let them grow and evolve and love things and whatever they gravitate towards through, then that's what I'm going to put in their room. Not just because society says, okay, boys have to play with trucks. So I'm going to put trucks in his room or the same thing with, you know, Cairo. Now Cairo, she ended up loving freaking unicorns. So guess what? Unicorns are in her room. I you love know? it. <laughs> hey, let them choose because so, they will you know, choose something let, that they're passionate about. Letting about. them choose. And it starts there. On your Instagram, you are truly authentic. <laughs> you look gorgeous all the time, no matter no, what you are doing. You. you look happy you. all the time, no matter what you are doing, because you are you. Mm-hmm. And that goes mm-hmm. into your journey of, you know, before pregnancy, it goes during, it goes after pregnancy, it goes maybe you trying to to get back in shape. And, mm-hmm. you know, it goes into showing what you're eating. It goes into lifestyle. And so I just love the way that you show who you are. authentically all the time. Um, Is that something that you have always been passionate about? Is that something that you were conscious about originally? Because you did, you have been known to say that there are mothers that lose five pounds, 10 pounds in their back. They snap back right Mm -hmm. right away. Mm -hmm. That was not your Mm -hmm. journey. And you're okay with that. And you showed people that it was okay. (laughs) Yes. There was, there's this one producer. He's a really, really good friend of mine. um, And he's a very successful Hollywood producer. He was like, no matter where you are in your life, you celebrate you. He was like, you gained, you know, you weight during your pregnancy with Cairo, but you were like, this is me. This is who I am. If you don't, if you don't like it, you know, then screw you, you know, you're fine with just embracing who you are. And that started, I want to say again, since I was young, but sharing it on Instagram started when I saw just so many people, and I'm going to say this, the word is bullying. That's the word that I, that I will choose. Um, when I got pregnant with Cree and then it became this race of, you know, the snapback. And also I fell into that, meaning I remember when I didn't, when my belly didn't go down after I had Cree after five, 10 days, I thought something was wrong with me. I was like, I talked to my gynecologist. I was like, why isn't my belly down? Like, why do it still look like I have a belly? She was like, Tia, it takes a minute for, you know, some people's uterus to shrink back down. You had a cesarean. And I'm like, see, this is what I'm talking about. Nobody talks about it. I'm believing in that, then what makes you think all of these other people are? Because they're just focusing on one thing. And so I wanted to change that. I wanted to change how people would make fun of me. Um, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Women, first of all, they just gave life, you know, and they're extremely vulnerable because their bodies have changed, number one. And I'm not talking about just weight. I'm talking about your breastfeeding, milk's coming out of your boobs, you're, you know, you're, you're, if you had a cesarean like me, you're in pain, you're taking pain meds and you're having to juggle a newborn and do all of this. You're not getting any sleep. And then you want to come online and talk about weight. It's so superficial and it's so, it's just 
not good for humanity. So I wanted to put a spotlight on that and I wanted to change the narrative. And I said, how do I change that narrative? By being me and by being real and by being authentic and starting with me and saying, you know what? This is what I look like after I have a baby. And guess what, you guys? It is okay. And it's okay if you, you know, look like you didn't have a baby either. That's fine too. But we should celebrate it all so that, you know, the women that look like me after having a baby don't feel so bad about themselves. You they know what should, I mean? They so shouldn't. I, and you shouldn't. They, every every they journey shouldn't. is different. And I it's think different. people say it, but to see it, Tia. Yes. To see it is a difference. And you right. know that just throughout your journey, there's so many people that you have helped. I mean, going back to what you just said about um, snapping right back. I remember my mom hearing my mom talk about having my oldest brother. And she's like, you know, I wore my jeans home from the hospital. So what was my whole intent on doing? It was to wear the jeans that I previously wore before pregnancy home from the hospital. That was all I was thinking about doing the whole time. You know, you have the belly band where you put it on. And so I think that we don't understand how powerful certain people are with how loud they are about their journey, but then on the other side, being loud about things that necessarily don't go right. People are quiet about that. And I Mm -hmm. really value you and your presence, especially in social media, because you have been loud and proud about your successes, (laughs) but just as loud about things that maybe you have struggled about. Mm -hmm. I think it stems from me going through these things and feeling alone me going through these things with myself and questioning myself. And I didn't want, and I don't want anyone else to feel that way. Life is already hard in general, right? So my goal is always to create communities, to uplift, to inspire, to love. Life is so short. Why do you want to spend it just tearing down, breaking people's spirits and making them feel bad about themselves. No, I understand the power of words. And I wish everybody else would understand the power of words too. Tia, um, (laughs) well, as if I didn't love you enough before. um, No, I really appreciate you sharing this because I think there is so much beauty and power in empowering others and sharing your struggles, Mm -hmm. you know, sharing your struggles with others and being Mm -hmm. open and honest and being authentic, not just in the good, but also in the struggles. And, um, and so I really appreciate you taking this time. Like I said, I could talk to you for hours. Uh, Uh, I, I going along. We don't have our wine this time. We got to do another wine talk. (laughs) Girl, when I tell you, you got to bring, uh, you got to bring Cairo and Cree over to play basketball Mm -hmm. and, um, and we will, we will show them how, how it's done. And so I really appreciate it. And listen, you make me the coolest mom ever because Uh, my daughter talked about talking to you for an entire week. uh, You saw her face when she came onto the Zoom. She was like, I did. (laughs) She's so cute. But thank you so much for taking the time and please tell Corey and the family. I said, hello. And, um, I hope to see you guys soon. That's it for this episode of Moments with Candace Parker. Thank you so much to Tia Mowry. Got a question, a story, or a moment you'd like to share? Leave a voicemail at 732-889-3358. 
If you'd like to learn more about the show, you can follow us on Twitter at WMN Media or on Instagram at WMN.media. You can also follow me, Candace, on Instagram at Candace Parker. Moments with Candace Parker is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Maddie Foley and Brittany Martinez with help from Alessandra Tejeda. Our executive producers are Robin Roberts and Jenny Kaplan. Special thanks to our exclusive season sponsor, Capital One. Thanks again. See you later.